0: I'm Andrew Sherman. I'm a Texas transplant who has always been in pursuit of art as a career. I've played in bands, pursued an acting career in Hollywood, but i found it behind the lens of a camera here in Dallas, Texas. I was born in New York. I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, but I love Dallas. There's a magical artistic scene in Dallas that mostly goes unnoticed to the outside world. This podcast is focused on what makes it so special and the people who make it thrive artistically. If you don't live here, and even if you do, you might not have heard of them. This is the Dallas Famous Podcast. This week on the Dallas Famous Podcast is Maureen Womack. Maureen is a native Dallasite and the woman behind Rabbit Hat Promotions a boutique PR agency that focuses on artistic types and has clients ranging from record labels to authors to musicians and everything in between. Maureen is also a painter and has her work showing in galleries all around town. For me, the discovery of this episode was learning that Maureen built her amazing businesses and painting career after being a full-time mom and raising kids, being out of the workforce for a while. Maureen is as inspiring as she is humble, and I really enjoyed sitting down with her. I hope you dig this one as much as I did. Welcome back to the Dallas Famous, uh, Dallas Famous Podcast. See, I'm going to edit that out already. See, it's like very casual. We've got Maureen Womack. So let's start off with, uh, well, we'll just tell people who you are. First of all, you're a, a painter, right? Visual artist, is that how you'd say it? Yes. Okay. And you have Rabbit Hat Promotions. Correct. And that's sort of a boutique. Uh, PR firm, but it's more than that, right?
1: Correct. Okay. Yeah. Well,
0: how is it more than that?
1: So, Rabbit Hat is, um, I would call it communications, marketing, special events, project management. Okay. In a nutshell. But I only work with clients in the creative industries. Okay. So, all of my clients are either in the music, film, or art mm-hmm. sector. I've also worked on a book. Mm-hmm. I've had clients reach out to me, banks and jewelry stores, and I'm like, I, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I can't help you. I love working with creative people, and that's just kind of in me, and wrangling creative personalities is really my favorite thing. So mm-hmm. really, my passion is having these people's dreams come true, me helping them. Yeah. So I my mission for Rabbit Hat Promotions is I want to get people up on stages and down red carpets. Hmm. That's what I want to do. That's a nice. Way so to I don't say need it. to be in the limelight, which is funny that we were that I'm here because I never sit in this seat,
0: <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> My clients sit in this seat, so it's funny that I'm here. But that's what I do. I want to build creative brands for people, or festivals, or n- venues, whatever anybody kind of needs me to do. So it's sure, yeah.
0: That's cool. I got, now I have a million questions. Um, <laughs> I, I want to go back though. Um, well, okay. Let me go really far back. First of all, you're a Texan, yes. Dallasite.
1: Correct. Okay. I grew up in Dallas. Excellent. Went to light, uh, Went to the University of Texas in mm-hmm. Austin. We're a big Longhorn family, mm. and I studied advertising. I, I got an advertising degree like a hundred years ago, right? Then I married my college sweetheart, and quickly had three babies, and didn't work. So I started in the advertising world. That's kind of where I grew up, my beginning of my career, but I didn't do it very long and I raised these three kids. So 20 years of not working. So 2016, my life got a little dark, kind of spiraled down. My my final child went away to school. She went overseas to school. Then my mother got sick and my marriage started falling apart. Mm. So that was a really dark, time for me and a little terrifying because i could make sandwiches and organize a bake sale like no other but that is not a marketable skill that's going to go well on an hr department <laughs> <laughs> so i was really panicked about what i was going to do and at that time i ran into an old friend of mine trey johnson do you know trey I, i've heard of trey yeah, yeah. so he's legendary singer-songwriter in in Dallas. He was the front man for Sorta Wildly Successful. He passed last year. Mm. So just um a year a year in January we just had his anniversary. Anyway, he was a dear friend of mine and he uh, helped raise my kids in that he was a music teacher. So he was he's a rock and roll guy and so all my kids, you know, was rock school. Mm. And then we lost touch. I ran into him during this period in my life kind of con- you know, talked to him about what was happening, and he said, well, I'm going to – I'm starting a record label, so why don't you just come hang out with us? So I was like, right on. (laughs) And so I was at with them at the very beginning of State Fair Records. Right, Very early on. I mean, got them their logo and set up their social media accounts. And I didn't – again, I didn't really know what I was doing. I had been doing school auctions, but – I knew how to wrangle people. I knew how to wrangle kids, which is kind of like wrangling
0: artists. (laughs) A lot like it, actually. In fact, sometimes kids are more reasonable.
1: So um, I love that. I love working with artistic people, and I don't care if they're knuckleheads or not, because they are bringing so much joy and beauty to the world. Uh I will put up with the fact that they don't know where their logo is, and they don't have $5 for the valet. Like, I don't care about that. I'm so happy to keep them on track. So it was a really perfect fit, and it was a crazy time. It was terrifying and thrilling because I did not know what was going on. <laughs> and I was going through the MBA school with Trey Johnson teaching me about the music business. Maybe a few weeks after he hired me, he handed me this book. I don't know if you've seen that Donald Passman book. It's like everything you need to know about the music business, oh, yeah. right? everyone's uh-huh. got it. It's of like course. the music Bible. So he handed me that and said, okay, well, catch up. And so I did. I dove in. I had nothing else to do at that point, And I had nothing to lose. So he brought me to every meeting. I was introduced to everyone in the music business. And they were quite engaging and warm and supportive. And so that was kind of the beginning of Rabbit Hat.
0: I, I f- that's cool. I feel like um, a label not in Texas maybe wouldn't have been as nice, you know.
1: Well, I don't, I can't say that for sure, but I'll, I will speak highly of, and specifically North Texas. I feel like the Dallas community, this music industry, it changed my life Mm -hmm. and they were, everyone was, they could not have been more supportive. And people would say like, here's my attorney. He'll, he'll, I mean, don't attorneys charge you like $500 an hour. (laughs) Like he would jump on a phone call with me and like. I didn't know how to write a proposal. So people were like, let me read it for you, you know, bump it up. You need 10%. Like, I cannot believe how much direction and guidance I got and and support. Like, you got this. So it was, like I said, terrifying and thrilling at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a great group of people to get started <sighs> with. I, I love those guys. Like totally whoever I agree. work with 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 any of that label. Um so okay, uh, interesting. So um how was pa- was painting happening at this point, or were you kind of had that been on the side as well?
1: So I've always been sort of artistic. My parents would have called me artsy. (laughs) Everything about my life, probably. And so I sort of did it as a child. Then I went to the university, but I went sort of on the account service side. I I never really believed in my own skills, so I didn't have any formal training as an artist. Then I graduated. Then when I was raising my kids, I went back and just took classes at the university. I didn't even get a second degree or anything, but that's how interested in it I was. And then when I was raising my kids, I did have time. So I was painting and I started sort of a painting career. I had a few shows. But then when things got dark again, the paints and the canvases and the brushes all went into storage. Hmm. I sort of forgot about it. And then during the pandemic and, you know, when I had to like pay my rent, painting was a luxury at that point. I couldn't even. So when the pandemic happened, I lost both my parents Mm. so that was wow that was a double whammy I hadn't really gotten through the first bit and that happened and my boyfriend at the time my current fiancé, said why aren't you painting like aren't you a painter (laughs) 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 what are all these paintings on our walls like these are yours right and so I took a leave of absence from the job that I was working at and immediately found a studio got a website got a logo because that's what I do for other people I'm like I certainly know how to start a a business right and so that's pretty recent that I kicked it back in but again I had a lot of contacts and then you know all my friends they have money now so they're they're buying original art
0: that's <laughs> great <laughs>
1: so it's I still consider my painting business my side hustle uh-huh. um, maybe one day my marketing business will be my side hustle and painting will be my full-time but I really need both. Sure. I really need the balance of both.
0: I love the duality because, I mean, you know, with the painting, you're promoting yourself. Not that you're promoting yourself, but it's your art. It's like there's nobody else involved. And then, you know, most people are just doing that one side where they're promoting their art or they're working on their art. And the fact that you do that in addition to, like, your whole business is promoting other people is really interesting and cool to me. Um, you know, like another. So you said you only deal with artistic types, but like, how do you choose clients in that range? Like, what's your some of your you know?
1: Well, to be a, to be honest, at the beginning I couldn't really be picky. Mm-hmm. I had to pay my rent, so anybody that came to me, I was I was going through the school of like, sure, let's try this, mm-hmm. and such a wide variety of people came to me. So I had um, state fairs where I started and kind of got my. Got my sea legs. Is that is that the expression? I think
0: so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: famous for like botching cliches. Um, so I got a little sturdy, and I had, you know, all these introductions with Trey. And Trey was very, like, go find some more. Let's do this. So that's kind of how Rabbit Hat started, because it was, I basically started with State Fair, and then State Fair became my client. Mm-hmm. And then I had previously been sitting on the board of Dallas Film. So they brought me on, and I started doing special events, client services, corporate sponsorships with them. So then I met more people. So then I had filmmakers uh, approach me and can you help me promote my film? I had, I had some interesting like uh, musicians. So Adam Hood was one of my clients. Well, he's very well known. He doesn't need me to find him anything, but he needed me to do a social media. But then I would have like a young artist come to me and say, can you just help me get, step into this Dallas music scene? So I would bring him on as a client and introduce him to producers and inter explain to him how the merch works and help him find somebody to design his logo and get his headshots taken so it really just depends on what the needs are so mm-hmm. I'll do as little or as much as is needed so at that like I said I'm not that picky now as I'm getting older I just you just need to be nice.
0: <laughs> right.
1: And you have to have realistic expectations. Sure. Like I said, I love working with creatives, um, but they have to have some kind of a support system themselves. I can't carry them. And they have to have some kind of grit, you know. Right. It's I rough.
0: Mean, yeah. Oh God, I'm so happy to not be pursuing music these days. Yeah. It seems just like such a hard task i mean i don't care how good you are like it's about getting it to people and what the competition is so steep just in dallas it's steep um it's cool too it sounds almost like for some clients you're like a mentor and other ones don't need that as much um social media oh my gosh that's like my nightmare um yeah it's uh, rough (laughs) do you have people help you when you do that yeah yeah i do
1: as a matter of fact that was really as a matter of fact during the pandemic i passed off adam hood as my client because it was so the the pandemic was tricky, obviously, mm-hmm. and people just didn't that we nobody was going anywhere, so they were trying to like do concerts in their basement so mm-hmm. social media became important, more important, really, but it really was hard for me to take money from people at the time because nobody was making any money sure. they were you know actually working on tips, venmo tips, so I kind of passed that I have someone that works for me, and I passed that client on to her and so whenever. I can do social media and I have a lot of uh, opinions about what it should look like and what's the audience, but like following the analytics is just so mm-hmm. not me. Mm-hmm. So I definitely have people that Almost, are skilled. I mean,
0: I don't want to sound ages, but I feel like we've aged out. Like you have to be super young to be on top of that. Uh, I mean, maybe you don't, but I feel like if you don't, then you have to focus all your energy on that.
1: Yeah. So, and I feel like that's a really good job if you want to break into the music industry. So yeah. that's one of the first things I tell people who are like, you know how to do social media? Take a class because especially about the analytics, like when are you supposed to be posting and how many and what's the hashtag? That's mm-hmm. the boring part, but that's also the important part. Yeah. And the venues that I've worked with, they look at their social media numbers. They matter. We can say it doesn't matter. It it actually does matter. Yeah. It's unfortunate because yeah. some of it's just weird, <laughs> but sure. it's something you can't ignore.
0: Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's like half of it almost these days and which sucks because you know, it used to be you're a musician. I don't even want to talk to the press. I don't want to deal with, and, you know, now it's like, well, there's that you still have to do that. And now you have to either be on your social media or have someone else maintaining it. One or the other. I used to tell bands, I was like, like the analogy of like, okay, so you've got this friend who plays a little guitar but he's not great would you put him in your band no so then why would you do your own social media you don't know what you're doing absolutely so
1: that's why um, and a lot of artists are terrible at self-promotion yeah and i get it that's another reason i like artists they just they just want to be musicians Mm -hmm. they just want to jam with their friends yeah
0: i mean and i get it like some musicians it's like it's counterintuitive to be out there promoting themselves because it's sort of it ruins that that image that they're creating and yeah, I, I'm all for a team for anybody that can yeah. afford it. You know. Well,
1: let's just let, as an expression we have in my family, let's trust your paid professionals. Like, you do what you do and let me do what I do. Yeah. But also, I'm not a, like a full-blown publicist, so I can hire you a publicist. I can, I'm can. i good at getting teams together. If you're trying to get on CBS this morning, I can't get you on CBS this morning. Right. But I know a bunch of people that can. Mm, cool. <laughs> and it takes that, everybody doing their part. Right. But, but again, even... You never know for sure. I mean, it it's talent and it's luck.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, living in L.A., you know, sometimes at the time I was like, why are these people succeeding? But it's because that machine's behind them and they are also ready for it, both. Right. You know, so I mean, like as a musician or whatever kind of artist you have to be doing your work, too, you know. Um, let's go back a little bit to the painting. Um, early influences of painters?
1: Well, I love art history, so that's really where I spent a lot of time. Because I never really believed I had any hand skills, I dove into art history. So I've been a docent at the Dallas Museum of Art for 12 years. A docent? And a so, like, I give tours.
0: Oh, I cool. I teach.
1: Mostly kids. Mostly like, 10-year-olds is my specialty. Fourth grade. Like, <laughs>
0: so. Oh, like a school, like, field trip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool. So
1: I do... I, Give 10-year-olds, introduce them to the museum, which I love that so much. Yeah. And I keep telling my kids, do not let me, because right about April or May, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. But then you have the summer off, and then August, I can't wait to get them back. Hmm. So to introduce kids to art, to a museum, they've never even, some of them are never been, will never go to a museum. Hmm. You know, it's a, it's a big variety of economic, you know, all kinds of different socioeconomic groups. And- I absolutely love that job. Mm. So I love art and art history. Every time I step into the museum, I just kind of get a wave of. So when when I decided to go back after the pandemic, <clears throat> I started paying more attention to all of that. That's all connected to me. So the influences of just every time I walk into the museum, I think like, oh, that I can use that for myself. I never brought it in that way. It was like I was a doodler. And then I loved art history, but now I feel like I'm putting it together mm. and very inspired by like when people are in front of their TV at night scrolling through their I'm scrolling through art <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> images. Yeah. And that's a whole it's it's not dissimilar to what I'm doing with marketing my clients because I have galleries reach out to me and then I'll reach out to an artist. So I have this whole other art community. I have a studio in North Dallas at Goldmark Cultural Center. And it's an old, abandoned um, office building. Very 1960s. It's very mad this building. (laughs) They didn't do anything to it. It's like an old, beat-up art building. And all these little offices are art studios. So I'm surrounded by these incredible... Again, they're goofy artists, just like the musicians that I... But they don't know anything about my other life. (laughs) So... We walk in and we talk about oil paints and we talk about and we support each other and call this gallery and someone came by and saw your art. So it's a it's similar because it's the same kind of person, but it's all visual and they're all wacky. And I love that. So it's
0: com- it's interesting to me how segregated the two communities can be. I mean, there's a chunk of artists that are not fine art artists that will be. You know, like D. Bellmark Company, where I work a lot, they have, you know, actual galleries with actual artists, but it's not, you know, high-end, high price because it's not the right venue for that. But it, there's those artists that, that, but then there's a whole lot, because I've, I've done some stuff with The Observer, and I went to an opening, and I was just like, wow, this is a whole other universe that's right in the same space that we are.
1: T- totally. And so my studio, this is what I love about that studio, that that center, is Sometimes their art centers, they have, they, you have to send them a portfolio. And if you're good enough, we'll let you in. Uh-huh. This is, you can be crocheting hats for your granny and you can have a studio. We don't care what you do. Uh-huh. You just have to be an artist, working artist. or you can also use it as like a gallery space. You can just show your art there. So I am in a suite with three ceramists. So three, I have three potters with me and mm-hmm. I'm the painter. The guy next to me is selling his paintings for $25,000. So it is everywhere. It's the guy that wants to just, you know, do anime. (laughs) (laughs) And then it's the guy that is shipping things that that cost 20 grand. So I love that too. So it's all very mixed and very supportive. We are all, nobody's, you know, turning their nose up at anybody else. You know,
0: it's interesting because my thought was like, why are they separated the fine art and, and the others? And I was thinking because of, because maybe they're snobby but it sounds like that's not what it is it's just they're not exposed to each other maybe i, mean,
1: I think there are like in any industry yeah. there's the snobby and i was invited to go look at other art communities and i re- or went to like a happy hour and i came home and thought you know it felt sort of like well how much are you selling and how and i was like i don't think these are my people
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
1: i just love to just have these wacky people come in and go we're doing this and i'm I don't know. I I love that community so much. I really do. It's It's
0: great. It's great that you make money with the art without it being a focus. I'm not saying it would ruin it, but I mean, I feel like the pressure of I need to sell this many paintings this month sounds like kind of hard to do. It is.
1: It is hard to do. It's just like being a musician. But um, the rent of the art studio is very reasonable, which is super helpful. And I'm selling enough.
0: Are you painting there or are you just displaying there?
1: Only painting. Oh, I see. I don't I don't have a gallery space. I have people that I show my pieces in some galleries, but mm-hmm. that is really a workspace. However, they do these big art walks twice right. a year, uh-huh. which has been great because people just people love that. They love to go, go into art people's studios. So we just open them up. And I have met so many people. There's two buildings and they really know what they're doing out there. And so that weekend before the art walk, this building and all the artists in this one building will lock their studios and go to the other building. So then you start meeting all of the other artists. Mm. And I've become really dear friends with some of these people just because I've been looking at your art and I'm so glad to meet you. And then they come look at yours and we're all following each other on social and I have a lead here and... So it's, again, another really warm community, kind of like the music industry. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there's going to be the snobs in all of it. But.
0: <laughs> but it's cool because, like, with music, you can jam with each other. You're not usually painting with each other. So the, the art walk, you know, that kind of sounds like a cool way to integrate without, because you're never going to, not never, I do have friends that will do collaborative paintings, but it's not very common compared to, like, music.
1: Correct. And I have always said that being an artist is sort of an isolating career, mm-hmm. unless you're in art school. But that's what's different about this cultural center, because we don't have to be working together, but your studio door is open. And if you need to step away from what you're working on, you walk around and pop in and chat with people mm, all the time or good. watch the progression. Like my sweet mate has just got a big show in at Plato art center. And so all of us are cheering her on. Like, this is what she done this so far. And she'll come in and say, what do you think about this? How do you like those colors? And so it is collaborative in that sense. Yeah. yeah. And it's, very helpful
0: really helpful because again like i mean i've talked to a couple artists and like you know like one was saying how at the beginning he's in his apartment and he has no like a couple years before anyone was like you're really good at this like he didn't even know exactly because everybody's always their worst critic and you know and like you were saying before it's like like an artist that's working on their own probably needs someone like you even more because they're probably even like the confidence level has to be there to put yourself out there Right. I mean, correct. And I think
1: it's even more difficult with a visual artist because with a musician or a filmmaker, they are out there. There's an audience. Mm -hmm. And with art, you can just be putting things out there and having no idea if anybody's looking at it. So I do, I not without being paid. I do use those skills to help my art, Artist community, like mm-hmm. here's the website. Let's do this. Let's yeah. get a logo. <laughs> but it's so cool that
0: you can do that because it's like these are your people in a way, and like you have these. It's like you are know, like here, I can help all of you a little bit, and then you can do what you will with it. But that's cool,
1: right? And they are more reluctant, but also I got a website. Come, Maureen, come look at my website. Uh-huh. So it's, I mean, yeah, it's it's great. It really is. I'm, cool. I'm very very. It feels it fills up, and also um, I'm in a very. Outgoing communicative industry with communications and project management, special, but I'm really an introvert. Mm-hmm. So I get really worn. I mean, I'm not shy, I'm confident, I can call anybody, but I get really worn out. Yeah. So I really need to go into that studio. I try to do three days a week, mm-hmm. so Saturday, Sunday, and try to get a weekday where I can just close my door and listen to my podcast and just mm-hmm. paint and paint and paint and paint. Mm-hmm. It fills me back up so I can do both. It's, it, it's really more important than I even ever realized.
0: Huh. Yeah. I mean, I can relate more than ever with the like, Oh, I'm out and I love being out. And I'm like, okay, I've just literally hit my limit. Yes. <laughs> I need to go away yes. now. Something that we brushed over probably cause you, maybe you don't realize how amazing it is uh, that you didn't, that you were a stay home mom for how long. And then now you've got like this great career and you're, you know, highly respected and it's just, it's, it's inspiring. I'm sure there's a lot of, you know freshly divorced people especially single mothers who this is going to be cool I mean is there you know like I don't even know what to ask about it other than to just acknowledge it
1: well thank you I appreciate that like I said it was terrifying slash thrilling because it was a really metamorphosis is that the word I would Uh use it was my sister said it's almost as if you were wrapped in cellophane and the cellophane is coming off so it's scary but amazing like oh wow I can see now and like look at all like everything was brighter and colder and hotter and louder and it was just so I was just in this cocoon of raising my children and doing really not with my people mm-hmm. you know you're with your other school moms nothing right. against my school mom friends but <laughs> yeah but it's they were not touching my creative spots yeah. at all yeah you
0: didn't choose those people as your
1: yeah. right and you have to do that because your kids are hanging out at their houses so that's sure. what happens sure so it was really and probably it was the timing was happened for that reason probably when my last one left i realized oh this is not even who i am i don't even know who i am hmm. so that's maybe what happened and then losing both my parents makes you makes you put your chin up and say okay we this isn't this is a short deal <laughs> this whole mm-hmm. life thing we need to be clear on what what we're focusing on what what we really want so And again, then I had so much support and I would say to my kids, I don't know what I'm doing when I was trying to like work at the label. My kids were like, but you actually are doing it. You're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So just keep the voices down, put just silence that voice for a minute and just keep going. And I had to. And at that point, fear is a great motivator. (laughs) Oh, yes. And really, I mean, not to be so full of cliches, but failure was not an option. I had to work. I had to work. And no no one was going to hire me. I mean the the resume was laughable, you know. HR went like historical. What this is sure. Been what and were you doing like, for these
0: decades? And
1: <laughs> and I was like, dude, I've been just winging it. I've been winging it. But I had a lot of wisdom and I had a few skills that you know somebody in corporate America probably wouldn't consider I could do. Mm-hmm. But a fledgling, underpaying record label was like, sure, we'll take you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, worked out. Fantastic. It worked out
1: great. I wouldn't be sitting here without that record label, definitely.
0: Uh, I was looking at your client list, um, uh, a couple of connections. You know, it's funny. The Studio Movie Grill mm-hmm. used to do an open mic, and like my when I first moved here to Texas, I was doing the one in Denton, and I was I like, didn't know that they yeah, did that. Yeah, it was how fun. It was weird. It was fun, but like I had to drive like you know to Denton in rush hour and I had to bring all my own gear but for me I mean I'm a musician but I'm I'm a singer-songwriter with bands usually or in the past I'm nothing doing it now and so but like I had to contractually, I had to fill the whole time and I didn't know anyone in Denton so I would end up having to play like for three hours so
1: so in the theater
0: like outside in the lobby. Oh, like, okay. It's like I it was trying to draw people in. Sure. And, you know. And there was a couple of bands that were local. When they would come, it would be amazing. And and then a friend of mine, I let him take it over. And that's when I switched over and I started doing it at Deep Lamar Company. But yeah. just kind of a random <laughs> connection. I don't
1: I, know if that Studio Movie Girl did that in Dallas, did they? Was that just a Denton thing because of the music it scene? They did in
0: Denton. And there was another location, but not, okay. not Dallas, no. I don't remember that. Yeah.
1: I was... Yeah, so a friend of mine used to run the marketing over there. Oh, okay. So I did project work for them Mm -hmm. that was another kind of funny project work like they wanted to do activations regarding a movie so we're gonna do get again draw people in in the lobby give away free tickets so i would create those kind of events that's another kind of weird thing that we should do Mm -hmm. and then we would do a video about it to promote it on social media so now that everybody's got phones i mean that was another thing i was doing with state fair records is i had a camera. I didn't have anything else to do, so I shot every show. Oh wow! <laughs> and um, we did. We'll put your music video together. And I mean, I'm producing. You know, producing in quotes, like pull, pulling it all together. It's all the same thing. Just like producing a festival is like producing a video. It's mm-hmm. just make sure all your people are in line, kind of, and yeah, or under budget, right? <laughs> um, so that we were doing all of that, which was, I mean, it was made it so fun and also touching all the aspects of it. I felt like I had a real grasp on it and. Mm-hmm learned so much
0: yeah I mean it's cool it, it is it's true some of these skills really translate and you know like your understanding of one thing really translates over to the other thing and production is is just a microcosm of a lot of other types of
1: I had a client say to me one time you are good at landing those planes so following somebody for example like Edwin Caviness around it's like following Steve Jobs like, their I- ideas are flying at you like a tennis ball machine. But I'm trying to grab them and make make something out of it. Like, mm-hmm. I like building things. And so, but I don't necessarily have these great ideas. But I can help capture those ideas and make that happen for somebody. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I feel like my skill is.
0: It's a good skill. People need it.
1: Especially artistic types.
0: Yeah, because they have all these ideas. But, like, putting them out there together, I yeah. mean, that's not in a song form. <laughs> you know?
1: Right. And also, they're, you know... It's a it's a double edged sword with artists because there's a lot of like um, self doubt and sometimes there's mental you know they're yeah. over, not oversensitive but they're hypersensitive yeah. or they're you know it's it's rough and also when there's you know you're about to go to Europe and then a pandemic hits mm-hmm. or you know you're gonna go on Jimmy Fallon and somebody gets COVID it's like the things that go wrong they're it's, just like yeah. that
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah. <laughs>
1: So they really need somebody to just say, it's okay, get back on, get back on the bike. Jimmy Fallon will come back around, we'll figure this out, you know, it's right, that right. kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I briefly dated a publicist in LA and she had uh, Sandra Bullock, Eric Roberts, and Andy Dick. Oh, wow. So Sandra was easy, but oh, I, I can't even tell you the stories of the calls that would come in on that. <laughs> See I, feel, I feel like a Hollywood publicist is such a different animal. Right. Like, I feel like your job description is you need to be prepared to lie for everybody. <laughs> I don't think that's what you do, but I feel like that's what they were doing. You know?
1: No, and I have, I'm working with a really great publicist in Nashville right now. And she is so, um, what is the word? She's so positive. I mean, I know she's, I'm sure she's rolling her eyes because mm-hmm. it's a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> but she just doesn't really get rattled. And like, you have to have a lot. That's a skill set right there. Yeah. It really is. Yeah.
0: I mean, again, with the egos, especially you're dealing with. And and then you have to deal with normal people in the real world. Right? and Connect the <laughs> two
1: yeah like a journalist is very different than a a big rock star oh, like yeah. different personalities and we have to put those people together
0: yeah i mean they don't pay you enough <laughs> right <laughs> is there anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about um
1: i don't think the only other thing that was interesting that we did was eric nadel's book are you a baseball fan uh-huh so eric nadel is the voice of the texas rangers okay yeah, he's yeah. been calling that game He's been calling the Rangers games for over forty years. Oh wow, Maybe forty-five now, okay. getting close. Um, and he's a friend of mine, and he we met through the music industry. That was another person that Trey Johnson inter- introduced me to. So, at the beginning, it was probably about two thousand sixteen when that the Rangers were really bad. I mean, we've had bad I mean, summers. Still, kind of. <laughs> this was rough. Yeah, it was two managers ago, and. So Eric calls the games, and he started doing seventh-inning limericks because he's a limerick writer. Huh. He's kind of a nerd, which I, that's what I love about him. <laughs> so he writes these limericks. So he started doing seventh-inning limericks to keep people listening to the game because at that point, they're, they've turned off fourth inning, they're out. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of his plan. So he did it all season, and then he called me and said, I think I'm going to put that in a book. I think I'm going to do a limerick book. I was like, great idea. That's such a great idea. Great. They're going to call it Lim Eric. Great idea. Mm. So he said, I need an illustrator. And I was like, Oh, I have the perfect illustrator for you. I really do. And I did. So I put them together. Art Man, this great illustrator, sort of animated, cartoony. What a and great he, name, too. Yes. <laughs> Arthur is his name. He goes by Art Man. Um, Arthur James. And Arthur happened to be a huge baseball fan. So he already has all these cool illustrations, stylized illustrations of baseball players so i was like eric arthur arthur eric and then sent them on their way Mm -hmm. and then like a month later i get this call like maureen can you come help us (laughs) (laughs) because again two creative people they could not make that work and arthur's like eric is texting me limericks and i'm trying to and arthur would say yes i'll illustrate that yes so you can't text limericks to people we have to have like situation you know we have to have a meeting or something (laughs) we have to have a document to start let's do a document Uh and then Arthur you can't say yes to everything you have to be choosy about so it was it was a mess Mm. and so fun so we got that book and he went through the foundation so all the money went to the Rangers Foundation but it was crazy but it was so fun to work on a book. I had never done that before. We
0: can add translator to your job <laughs> description. <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs> and then, of course, he had a big party at the Kessler because he has a big birthday party over there and great shows. And so, yeah, anyway, that was kind of a cool project.
0: Very cool. Very cool.
1: Yeah. All right. Hey,
0: Maureen, thanks so much for coming over and sitting down with me. We'll be looking for your projects and your art, and uh, we'll have all those links available. Uh, but thanks again for coming by.
1: Thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Thanks,
0: Andrew i'd like to thank my guest maureen Womack. you can check the links for rabbit hat promotions as well as her art theme song Celine narala with unstoppable you can check out the dallas famous podcast on deep elm radio every sunday and tuesday one o'clock and then a couple weeks later we put them all on the podcast platforms thanks for listening we hope to have you back